Time for the Bokecast. So today I'm finding myself embracing boredom um, because I found myself getting bored and it's not something that I'm used to at all. In fact, I've often said that being a bored person, it means that you're a boring person and it's very unusual to have those bored feelings. I've not had them for years and it's like, what do I do? It's, I'm just trying to find something to entertain myself. It's like, this, is, this isn't good. Like, I'm starting to run out of things to do. Um, you know, having spent the last few weeks being cooped up, it's enough to drive anyone to boredom, I think. And I was speaking to one of my friends, and they basically said, well, just just enjoy the boredom. So are they, they enjoy boredom. They were like, I enjoy boredom. Just don't have the radio on. Just, just read a book, and then just embrace it. Just enjoy the boredom. I thought about this and I thought, well, that's actually quite an interesting prospect, really, isn't it? When you actually think about it, do you have to sit with that, bo- that with that boredom to realise it's actually not that bad? So I thought to myself today, I want to make myself as bored as possible. So I haven't had the radio on or any music on for a bit uh, this morning. Obviously, I have done now because obviously I've I've, exp- I've embraced the boredom. I was like, right, come here, boredom, give me a hug. We're gonna hang out for a bit, okay? Is that all right? So, you know, I thought we'll just do that because I always have to have some music in the background or something. And so I just figured I might as well just try and just embrace embrace it, you know. So I figured, you know, I want to start reading a book because I have bought so many books about philosophy years ago. I never really got around to reading it. And I remember really being into it, but it sort of fell by the wayside because of mental health issues that arose and trying to philosophically delve too deep inside myself I thought well maybe not the best idea at the current moment in time so instead I just sort of put them out the back you know I I started reading them I did enjoy reading them but I thought right I'm gonna grab one of these books uh, because what's going on at the minute is a bit rubbish so luckily a lot of the philosophy a lot of the philosophy books I actually own are about stoicism because I read this book uh, by Darren Brown called Happy I think it's called Happy. And it basically is like how stoicism is totally really cool. So everyone should try stoicism. It's basically the stiff upper lip. Like, yep, it's rubbish, but there we go. And in fact, I want to read to you the first part of Marcus Aurelius's uh, meditations. Not, I don't want to read a lot of it. I just want to read the first little bit. And this this what is what sucked me straight in. Um, and um, right, so this is from the, the Penguin Book of Philosophies. Uh, no, it's uh, Penguin Classics, Marcus Aurelius Meditations. Okay, here we go. And I read this, and this is when I was working in a coffee shop when I really sort of hated the fact that I had to get up in the morning, make people coffee, and you may be thinking, oh, that's your job. Yeah, but at the same time, people have to make the effort to get up, get ready to go out, and come to the coffee shop to make for me to make them a coffee, and they're rude about it. I was like, have you not got a kettle at home? You haven't got instant coffee? What? I never really got that. I never got it. And, uh, you know, so, you know, this one of those things. So this is the what I'm going to read, actually. This, the, I'm going to read this out as best as I can. I'm not a narrator or someone who can read that well. Although I remember at school, I used to be better than most people at reading out loud because people used to be like, the cat sat on the mat. Now, you can kind of tell what's going to happen. You can, you know, enunciate certain ways or you can, you know, anyway. Um, say to yourself, this is this is this is the the beginning of it, by the way. Say to yourself first thing in the morning, today I shall meet people who are meddling, ungrateful, aggressive, treacherous, malicious, unsocial. All that has afflicted them through their ignorance of true good and evil, 
But I have seen that the nature of good is what is right, and the nature of evil what is wrong, and I have reflected that the nature of the offender himself is akin to my own, not a kinship of blood or seed, but a sharing in the same mind, the same fragment of divinity. Therefore I cannot be harmed by any of them, as none of as none will affect, infect me with their wrong, nor can I be angry with my kinsman or hate him. We were born for cooperation, like feet, like hands, like eyelids, like the rows of upper and lower teeth, so to work in opposition to one another is against nature, and anger or rejection is opposition. So basically in a nutshell what that means is, is that there are people out there who are just who are just dicks. That's what happens. There are dicks out there. There are people out there who are just dicks, right? And you basically just feel like, eh, let, get, get on with it. You being a dick isn't really going to affect me. It's not going to change who I am. Your dickishness isn't going to change my opinions and isn't going to change who I am as a person. So I'm just going to ignore it, more or less. And um, that's in a, just, just to clarify, that's just me glazing straight over that. But this is like a very famous book about Stoicism, and I thought I'm going to read this book. I, I did start reading it. I started making notes in it, which is quite good, but then at some point it just stopped. Um, and it's funny, though, because I remember there was a, a few different bits and pieces here and there about um, stuff, and I remember I was just rereading the beginnings. So I can't remember what I read. But he mentions Epictetus's Discourses, and I was like, hang on a second, I think I've got that. So I went to my bookshelf and I found my copy of Epictetus, Discourses and Selective Writings. I thought, well, look at that. Well, look at that. So I thought, this is pretty good. I'm going to start reading this instead because I haven't read this one for, for a fact. And he, he, this is the book that taught Marcus Aurelius what he knew or one of the one of the things. I thought, well, get back, get back to the, to the, uh, the original, you know. So I've been reading that and I've been enjoying it, actually. I'm not really much of a reader these days because my attention span is terrible uh, it's gotten worse over the years um but i used to be able to read i used to read like a like a nutter um but having said that i've read quite a few pages i mean i've read well i'm up to page 22 and there was like a massive 20 page introduction which i read i'd like to say because it's interesting to read especially the fact this is like from ancient times i think ancient greece or ancient rome i think our marcus reads was roman and I think um, Epictetus was maybe Greek. He was a Greek slave, I believe. I know, he, I know he was a slave. That's what's so important about the story. The guy who wrote this book that taught the emperor Marcus Aurelius um, to you know, be a nicer person is a slave. That basically was like, yeah, being a slave in ancient Greece is a bit rubbish. But do you know what? It could be worse. And that's actually like that, that stoicism right there. Someone was literally on the lowest rung of the, of the social ladder and still thought, well, do you know what? It could be worse. And it's mad. Um, so I'm reading that. I thought it's actually pretty fitting um, for the time. And um, yeah, it's really nice sort of getting back into the philosophy stuff. Although my only sort of problem is they keep mentioning God. Um, and, you know, as a as a, a Christ denier, it's very strange when they're saying, like, you know, you know, because of God, this, that, and the other. So, well, no. Because obviously, well, in my opinion, is uh, if people can believe in God, that's it's up to them. It, it's neither here nor there, and I don't really want to get into politics or religion here. But I guess I did just touch upon that. Um, but that's fine. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm enjoying reading those books, which is which is really good. I, I mean, I, the, I, the thing was, I've been trying to get 
uh, back into reading and when it comes to reading books specifically I need books that I can sort of dip in and out of because I know my attention isn't the best so short stories little short chapters is really and then eventually I'll get towards um, reading obviously the whole book at some point um, I'm not, I don't like like leaving chapters part of the way it has to be like on a parrot I'm very weird about the way I read um, and uh, yeah I'm also trying to listen to more podcasts this might surprise you as someone who is a podcaster I don't listen to podcasts and um, so I've been doing that this morning and one of my favourite documentary filmmakers Louis Theroux or Louis Thero if you're in America um, he's got a new podcasting series and he inter- he interviewed uh, John Ronson which you may be thinking oh who's John Ronson um, he's, 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 well, he's, he's a very good um, what's it called? He's a very good documentary maker. He's a good writer. He's just, you know, he's like Louis Theroux, just a second version of it. And um, I've read a few of his books as well. I read a book about his, a book about uh, a book he wrote about men who stare at goats. That's it. It's called The Men Who Stare at Goats. It is made into a film, but it's made in a sort of more of a fictionalized version. But he actually was trying to find people who believed that they could stare at a goat to death. Like there's actually uh, a part of the. American army or government or something where there are people out there who are trying to use like um, uh, kinesis and psychic powers to do things such as um, staring at goats until they die uh, much like the sea starers back when all the philosophers um, but at the same time there was uh, I think they also believe that they can walk through walls and there's a famous bit in the in the film because they made a movie like I say where this guy walks into wars like one one day that wall is going to give way and I'm going to walk straight through it. Um, I read a couple of his books actually. I never read one called the Psychopath Test, which is really fascinating. It's basically a test that people have to show if they're a psychopath. I'm not a psychopath, which I'm very pleased to announce. Um, but it's very interesting because it's, it basically brought up the conversation was this person is diagnosed as a psychopath by the psychopath test and he is currently in a um a mental uh, institute i think if he might not be still be there but because he lied and said he was a psychopath um makes him a psychopath and um apparently it's the scientologists which are trying to get him out of prison or whatever uh because he uh well they don't believe in all that kind of stuff um, they, just, they just believe that, you know. I won't, I'm not going to go into Scientology. I mean, it's it's a it's a well beaten horse, isn't it? Oh, look, let's all laugh at the Scientologists. Ha 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 ha. Um, it's a very fascinating um, religion, but at the same time, it's not really, um, you know. They they they're doing their best to try and make sure that this guy gets out because they don't believe in psychoanalysts and all that kind of stuff and therapy and all that kind of stuff, even though technically what they do... Oh, no, let's not go into that. Um, but yeah, so I've been trying to go through these books and read them. So what I've been doing, actually, I've been trying to get books out of my book... Oh, sorry, off my bookshelf and onto my coffee table. The idea being is that I'm going to read them. I've been basically... I've got a little pile of like books that I can read in a day, uh, these little short books. These include Catcher in the Rye, um, Animal Farm. Uh, there's another one as well. I can't remember what it was. Uh, um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. One of my favourites, um, just because it's just how insane. Look at the hiccups. How insane it is, and um, yeah, it's just a really sort of. Uh, it's a good book. Good film as well. Um, but yes, the, the, all these books, but they're all to a point where they're. I don't know. They'd be. 
not a great book to read because I think they can put you in a mindset which wouldn't be great for now. So I really badly want to read 1984 right now. Badly. Um, but I don't want to read 1984 because it's a bit too close to the bone at the minute What with what's going on and all the conspiracies going on around. I'm not going to talk about conspiracies at the minute because what's the point? But there are many examples of how 1984 came true um, and how scary it was a prospect back in 1949 but how it's now come true you know obviously the the whole everyone have been under surveillance by cctv cameras like that's that's confirmed um the fact that everyone not everyone a lot of people now have these speakers that respond to voice commands that are always listening to us yet we invite them into our houses you know and um all that kind of stuff and just the the way things are going as far as the way the governments are reacting and asking us to basically lock lock ourselves down into our houses and just follow what they're telling us um as as tough as it is like people say oh you know yeah, but but why it's all a massive conspiracy no no I'd rather not you know go into all that stuff because I I don't think that's true but there are certain similarities between 984 and what's happening now. And, um, yeah, just it, just the way it's... I don't know, it's very strange. Um, because it's it's almost like we are turning into 1984, and it's just really scary. And I, 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 I thought at the moment, read 1984 now wouldn't be a good idea. Um, especially if you're inclined in a way to like be a conspiracy theorist conspiratorial another great word i love that word but yeah oh sorry um yeah so today i basically i got up i thought right i'm gonna make sure i drink enough water because i don't drink enough water because i mean every time i wake up in the morning i feel a bit like bit bleh, because i haven't been drinking water because i know you're supposed to drink about two liters a day uh, on average and i figured well i've got this water bottle that i drink out of all the time but I've, i maybe drink maybe one or two of those a day but i need to drink four so like right, first thing in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, I down eight hundred, sorry, five hundred milliliters. That's about a pint, just under a pint, I believe, or just over a pint. I don't know. And um, and then four hours later, I have another, and have another pint of water. You know, lovely. And then about four o'clock in the afternoon, have another pint of water. Before I go to bed, another pint of water. So every four hours, I'm having a pint of water, um, like a like a medicine almost, because I know it's going to be good for me. Um, so I remember once years ago I managed to achieve the level of water that they suggest that you have and because I, I just thought I, I want to see what the effects were what the effects were of being like truly properly hydrated and how it makes you feel and I have to admit it was worth the effort it was worth the constant running to the toilet because when I wasn't running to the toilet I felt like I was full of energy I was like yes I feel great and um so it does take a while, obviously, to get the, the fluids up and just basically your body getting used to the amount of water it's taking on, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to do that right now. I've got another couple of hours, I've got to drink that, but it's fine. Um, I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. Um, um, so what was I going to say? Oh, actually, um, there was something I did want to uh, sort of bring up, and it was because, uh, well, basically, I've finished watching the TV show Better Call Saul, so Better Call Saul is a spin-off from Breaking Bad. I'm not going to go into the actual story of it, but I didn't watch it for the last few weeks because I want to watch a whole bunch of it in a row 
because I much prefer binge watching stuff than just watching it week by week. It's just the way I am. I like the idea of sitting in front of the television and just going for it. And uh, even though I was told to like watch it, watch it, watch it, I, I waited and held off and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, yes, excellent. And uh, really enjoyed it. And then my friend was all like, and I said, oh, you know, they, they then said they haven't watched El Camino, which is the spin-off movie. So basically Breaking Bad is a, is a, is a TV show. Better Call Saul is a TV show that predates Better Call Saul. It's like the prequel uh, of the setup of, of the Saul Goodman character, which is one of the best parts. I think it's actually better than Breaking Bad, but that's just my opinion. But then they made a film called El Camino, which is after Breaking Bad and ties up all the loose ends from Breaking Bad. So basically, this is before the Breaking Bad stuff hit the fan, uh, spectacle sort. Then you got after the stuff hits the fan and what happens there. And it's very um, interesting. My friend said they haven't watched El Camino. I was like, why haven't you watched El Camino? You've been crazing at me to watch Better Call Saul and you haven't watched El Camino, which is like two hours at max that you can just watch in an evening. And it's like, oh, I don't know. It felt like it's a bit too hyped and I didn't think it'd be any good. What do you mean overhyped? I was exactly the same when it comes when it comes to certain documentaries in the UK at least. That well, worldwide. I mean, everyone was talking about Tiger King, weren't they? For for a good couple of weeks, everyone was obsessed with Tiger King. I I was obsessed with it as well. But I do want to say that the thing I took away from Tiger King the most was say what you want. The guy may have been entertaining and all that kind of stuff, and he may or may not have wanted to get Carol Baskin murdered or whatever whatever neither here nor there i don't think that was necessarily the case doesn't matter um the fact that he was responsible for animal cruelty on a massive level is disgusting and he is rightfully in prison for that so that's that okay so all these people sound like, oh let's have a let's have a joe exotic theme party yeah cool you want to basically stroke the ego of, of an, an animal abuser great well done well done you um, do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, Ian Huntley, he was a bit of a card. Let's all let's have an Ian Huntley party. No, that's not how that works. Oh, Mary Chipperfield. No, Mary Chipperfield famously was the one who did the PG Tips monkeys, and apparently she used to like beat them to get results. And they used to, it was, it was animal cruelty. In fact, to this day, if I see any TV footage of like PG Tips monkeys or anything like that from way back when, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I think it's rightfully so, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Because really that is something that should be put in the dustbin. And it's very sad. Um, but then you end up going in a rabbit hole with all this kind of stuff. Because then I, I, I looked up about Michael Jackson's... Uh, used to, Michael Jackson used to have a, a monkey called Bubbles, a chimpanzee called Bubbles. And it's like, okay, so he was technically one of the big... Because I watched... Do, okay, there's a, few, a lot of documentaries about uh, people who, who have exotic animals. And Joe Exotic used to have chimpanzees and that kind of stuff as well. And I'm not saying that Joe Exotic supplied Bubbles the Monkey to Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was in the same boat. And apparently uh, Bubbles the Monkey uh, was like a child to Michael Jackson. But he got too big for his boots and became violent. And apparently Bubbles is still alive, although you don't really see much of him. Obviously, he's not a famous... Well, he is a famous... He's probably the most famous chimpanzee there is. But, um, yeah, so... I forgot my train of thought there. Um... To about Mary Chipperfield, Michael Jackson. Yeah, so I ended up going down this sort of rabbit hole of all that kind of stuff. And it's just, yeah. Um, so whenever it comes to TV shows and documentaries that are overhyped, it's like, well, oh, do I really want to watch it? 
because I don't want to be. I don't want to just follow everyone else watching it. It's like I, I can't go with Stranger Things because people love Stranger Things. They are they adore it. Like oh, I love Stranger Things. Oh, Stranger Things. Oh, the new series of Stranger Things coming out. Uh. I watched series one of Stranger Things. Didn't really get on with it. Um, it wasn't really my type of thing. I mean, I, in my opinion, I don't think that the characters would necessarily react the way they did in the show. Um, mainly the the weird, creepy, nerdy kids getting with the. I don't know. I can't remember. It was like it was literally years ago. Um, but Tiger King was one of those documentaries which was literally round on everyone's toes. Everyone needs to watch Tiger King, Tiger King, Tiger King, Tiger King. And you feel a bit of an idiot watching it, but then you realise that you watch it for a reason. It's like Breaking Bad. Just going full circle with this. Breaking Bad, I think I watched the first couple of episodes and my ex-girlfriend was all like, I don't really fancy watching that. And, you know, I thought, well, I'd rather than sort of watch something that she doesn't really want to watch, we'll watch something else. And she didn't want to watch it. And then I started watching it and then she started watching it with me. There's another one like that as well. There's a lot of hype over something. And I, I, start, I, st- I remember I started watching it in bed and then she started finding it really, really funny. It's like, well, it is funny. What was that? I really can't remember. It was something, uh, and then became one of her favorite TV shows. It was it was, it was it Bojack Horseman, possibly. I don't know. It's one of those TV shows that um, people start enjoying. It, no, I think it might have been uh, Limmy's show, possibly. Uh, Limmy, obviously from uh, Limmy's show, I think, because uh, yeah, he made me laugh on Twitter, and then I found him on on the old on, on the old uh, Netflix, and then they found him on Twitch, and then he came back to BBC, and then buggered off again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird when that sort of thing happens. It's like um, it's like the the floss. People were doing the floss dance, you know. So everyone was trying to do the floss, and I thought, well, uh, I don't really want to floss. I mean, I managed to never. I've to this day, at the age of thirty five years old, and I'm living through the pandemic of the um, I forgot what it's called now. That's annoying. Gangnam style, the pandemic of gam- Gangnam style, lived through that perfectly fine. I never once did a Gangnam style ever, not even in my own house. Secretly, did I do the Gangnam style dance? Because I'm not going to do it. I'm not. Gonna, I'm refusing. Um, but flossing, I did learn how to do. There was a reason why I learned how to do it, because I thought it'd be really, really funny uh, one day to just randomly, because uh, my niece and my nephew, uh, well, my nieces, well, well, at the time it was uh, niece. But my nieces and nephew, it'd be really funny to see their uncle suddenly doing like the perfect floss. And so I, I practiced it quite a bit. And I actually managed to do it pretty well. And I occasionally bust it out because I think it's quite funny that this uh, 35-year-old man is able to do a floss on command should he need to. And it's always funny to see people's faces because people don't expect someone like me especially looks like me let's be honest with a massive like beard and sort of baldy head and I'm, I'm i'm a six foot one guy you know i'm not a small i'm quite burly i'm husky i like to say i'm husky i'm quite broad shouldered i'm like a, you know i'm definitely like a bloke and then suddenly there i am doing a floss perfectly because i practiced it um you know that's not to have a go at anyone who isn't i'm not saying like, i'm like oh look at me manly <sighs> I can beat people up. It's not like that, by the way, just to clarify. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's pretty clear listening to this. I'm not an aggressive person. In fact, I'm very docile. I'm very placid. And apparently it's something that has been around, well, me specifically, that I've, I've been like that since day dot, apparently. I was, my mum and dad always make a point of telling me that as a baby, as a kid, I was literally no trouble whatsoever. Literally just, just give me a cup of tea, sit me down, and I'll just get on with it. And that has never changed in 35 years. In fact... 
um, I found recently on YouTube the TV show that I appeared on at the age of six weeks old um, because they needed a baby um, for this ITV drama. And I happened to be born at the right time. Is that like, well, they're looking for well-behaved babies that weren't really crying too much. I thought, well, he's not crying too much. We'll use him because obviously they need to... Um, if a, a baby's actually... If, a, if an actor's walking around with a baby that's crying, very clearly... It's going to stifle... It's not a cry on demand and all that kind of stuff. So basically, they have to dub on the crying. Uh, so they need a baby to be there, but be quiet. And I was one of the quiet babies. And so I, was, I did my little scene. And I don't remember, obviously, I was six weeks old. But it's on YouTube, which is quite funny. Because it was actually a very popular TV show back then. It's an ITV drama called Cover Her Face. It is 1984. 1985, I think. In fact, um, I'm very pleased because the they did a lot of photos to promote the show. And I was the baby used in the promotional shots, like the the the, the like there'd be like the Radio Times. I, there's a picture of me as a baby in the Radio Times. My mum and dad kept the Radio Times because that was what they were using. Like that was me. Um, in fact, if you get the video or the DVD, it's more than likely going to have the promotional shot of me on it. Um, and uh, yeah, they they even gave my mum and dad a big black and white version of the photograph. That was like a like a little thing. So I think I got paid fifteen pounds, which is a lot of money in nineteen eighty four. Um, it's funny though because none of the none of the actors ever kept in touch with me, which is very strange. Which I think is a bit rude. Um, you know, as as much as I wanted to do the thirty uh, fifth anniversary uh, reunion of the show, no one got back to me, which I think is a bit rude personally. But you know, I, I guess people just move on, and um, it's just sad. It's just sad. Um, I don't know. I've been, I've been silly. Um, anyway, so today I got up and so I drank my water. Like I said, I was going to do. I've, I've not had the radio one. I've, I'm going to embrace this boredom. Let's just have some boredom. Let's make myself as bored as possible. So I've been reading my book. Like I said, not that reading a book is boring, but I'm just embracing the you know the thing I, I can't seem to do. And I thought myself, I'm going to listen to podcasts as well. Like I say, I listen to Louis Theroux's one. And then I thought, oh, even better, I'm going to start. I'm going to do. I'm going to d- treat my face to a little bit of bit, of, you know, a bit of TLC. And I'm one of those people that say that people should always do their best to, you know, just pamper themselves a little bit. So I got, I got like a nose strip out. I did like a nose strip. All the blackheads on my nose like, got peeled out. It was like lovely. They did a face mask, one of those peelable face masks. And the thing is with those that if you wear glasses, you can't really put them on afterwards because you can't really you know if they, they get stuck to the mask they get stuck to the nose strip blah, 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 blah. so I, i'm like i said i think yesterday's episode i'm a very short-sighted person so i had to take my glasses off so i could let this stuff dry and i literally had to sit there on the sofa i laid on the sofa let's not mess around i laid on the sofa glasses no glasses on i just listened to podcasts and i was like yeah this is nice so i laid there and it's like right so I've got probably half an hour I did this and it was honestly it was bliss really enjoyed it and then um yeah I feel very cleansed now I feel very relaxed and very very mellow I'm considering having an afternoon bath a bath to noon that's hard to say um but it's just nice to do that I mean it's nice to I, I like having baths at weird times because it just feels a bit special a bath in the morning is a little bit... A morning bath is a bit pointless. In my opinion, it should be after midday. If you can get like maybe a, like a two, three o'clock afternoon bath, in the afternoon bath, and mate, if you can get powder as well, oh, baby powder after a bath is like, oh, just a godsend. But um, also quite like a midnight bath. Anything after midnight is exciting. 
the latest I've ever had a bath was two o'clock in the morning. And it was funny because I just quit working in the night shifts and I wasn't tired at night. Why would I be tired at night? It didn't take me long to get back to my regular routine, by the way. It's very easy to get back into that. Um, but my friend came over and she left about one and she was knackered. I said, it's so weird because you look so tired, but I don't feel tired. I literally feel wide awake because yeah, you are wide awake. So I, I can't go to sleep because I'm just wide awake. So she said to me, oh, you should probably have a bath. I went, yeah, well, it's a bit late for a bath. because I'd be lovely to have a bath and go straight to bed. Let's get out of the bath, jump straight into bed. I thought, that'd be quite nice, actually. So I thought about doing that. So I would run my bath. I had my, my 2 o'clock in the morning bath. I was like, yes, 2 o'clock in the morning bath. Lovely. So I did that. And um, it was very nice. Um, you know, it's, I felt a bit bad because I, I, I don't know how loud. I live in a flat, so I don't know how loud my my plug can be at night in in, in the evenings because you know you got to be very thoughtful about your neighbors and that kind of stuff within reason but then i figured it can't be that loud and even if it is that loud it really can't be for it's not gonna be like a constant no more than five minute noise that will affect nobody for more than is acceptable if that makes any sense i wouldn't put my washing machine on too early or in the middle of the night that's just mean i think my cutoff period is eight o'clock in the morning is i'm perfectly fine to do whatever i want from eight, eight o'clock in the morning until about 10 after that you know it's a bit of a bit of a taking the whittle but it's a good 14 hour window there to do stuff loudly um i think that's fair enough 14 hours is uh 14 out of how many waking hours have i got i think i worked out that i've got um so seven about eight i have about seven hours sleep a night and i have an hour of outside time a day so indoor time it's about 16 hours so 14 out of 16 hours that i can be loud there's only like a couple of hours where i have to be quiet so ooh, big deal um yeah i don't know um i'm just waffling on now i want to get back to reading my book i'm completely honest i'm actually like it's a really good book epictetus's uh discourses it's very good because it is very short and you know it's like little bits and pieces and, and it's just like worth a read in fact, you can get um, audio versions of this as well, but they're weird translations. That's the other problem when you get like old texts is trying to find the right translation because anything that's translated from another language is going to be slightly skewed by a translation because you have to take into account that the author may or may not be making decisions that may or may not affect the actual outcome of the writing and obviously the quality of the translation and all that kind of stuff. Stuff can get lost in translation, which is why um, most religious people agree upon reading the king james version of the bible because that's one of the oldest translations as soon as you start translating it from that uh, into plain english uh, famously uh, jehovah witnesses um they they translate their own version of the bible and simple little things like little nuances change um uh the way things are such as i uh, not this is off the top of my head off so i can get the actual bible if you want me to i can get the Jehovah's Witnesses Bible if you want me to I'm not going to do it but basically in a nutshell there's a bit in there to say like if you believe in in Christ uh, you will be you will get everlasting life so in in heaven and all that kind of stuff but in the Jehovah Witness Bible they say you may achieve eternal life uh, which is very interesting how you may so if you you say you do everything that you know Jehovah Witnesses need to do there's a slight chance slight little tiny chance that you may not get into heaven just so you know which i, I kind of respect um but yeah anyway um that's all i got to say today anyway so i'll probably catch you again tomorrow because i enjoy doing these so uh 
catch you tomorrow.